Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Saturday afternoon for me. As I, I took the night off, I decided, hey, I just wasn't in the right mental headspace for uh, covering the Nuggets last night. So I took a little bit of time to myself and decided, hey, let me just try to get this podcast up. Uh, before Coach K's last game at Duke. I'm, I'm going to go hang out with my dad. I'm really excited about that. So I, I wanted to make sure to get up this podcast before that. Uh, but for now, this this was a good game for the Nuggets, and it didn't start off in the way that I thought that it would. But I was excited to be able to watch this and to see Will Barton break his three point break the three point record for the franchise. Congratulations to him. It was off the schneid after what was a really tough uh, couple games watching him, but the Nuggets win against the Houston Rockets 116-101, and they were without Nikola Jokic tonight, last night, and it's just always going to be a mystery as to how the Nuggets handle those situations, or at least it was, until the Nuggets decided to bring in a very strong replacement for Nikola Jokic, and his name is DeMarcus Cousins. I'm going to be honest. I was not on board with Cousins long term. I didn't think that he had this in him anymore. I was a little bit concerned that Denver and Denver fans were looking towards the past a little bit too much based off of what we'd seen from Boogie over the course of the last three, four years or so. Uh, given the injuries, given he may not be as impactful in the playoffs due to some lack of mobility. I'm going to go ahead and say that I was wrong, clearly, just clearly, clearly wrong. And I'm glad to be wrong because you want good players on the team. You want talented players on the team that can help the team win. And on a night like tonight where the Nuggets, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that this was a Jokic sit down kind of game as opposed to oh man, Jokic can't go uh, because he's so like crazily sick. Uh, I, I have to imagine that there was a little bit of gamesmanship in this where they thought that they could beat the Houston Rockets, who are a really bad franchise, really bad team, with Boogie Cousins in the lineup instead of Jokic and give Jokic the night off because it clearly looks like he needed one. So I'm glad that they were able to give him that. And in this situation now, you're looking to Boogie Cousins. You're looking to somebody to set the tone, somebody who can replace what Jokic is doing. At times when Denver has gone smaller, there's been a little bit of a struggle to find that good, solid replacement. Not tonight, or not last night. I'm going to keep doing that, by the way. Recording this on Saturday, posting it on Saturday. Sorry. Um, DeMarcus Cousins was fantastic. In 24 minutes, he got into a little bit of foul trouble, so that's one of the reasons why the minutes were a little bit lower. Another is because he's still working back on the the conditioning and uh, endurance side of things here, but he was fantastic from start to end. 31 points, 10 of 14 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3, 8 of 9 from the free throw line, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, a block, and 4 turnovers for a plus 11 in a 16-point win. The bench found their own way. They they were able to make it work without Cousins, and, and actually Denver did some good staggering in the second half that allowed Cousins, due to foul trouble, to play with the bench at the end of the, th- end of the third start of the fourth. 
But for the most part, this game was about Boogie. This game was about him showcasing his abilities and combining brute force with deft shooting and playmaking touch to be able to reprise what Jokic does on a consistent basis. And it was really, really nice to see. Because as somebody who doubted him, as somebody who didn't know if he could ever get back to this point, him being able to kind of brute force his way in a situation like tonight without fouling out, without uh, making a ton of mistakes, he looked really good out there. He looked like a starting caliber center and somebody who – I know that the Houston Rockets center situation is really bad and and watching Christian Wood try to guard him last night, it was almost like watching Jokic try to be guarded one-on-one by Isaiah Roby as opposed to Jokic always being double teamed by Isaiah Roby and somebody else. Uh, but it was just really impressive to see what Cousins was doing. And I'm happy that he's on the team. I'm happy that he's been able to find his niche here because it's pretty clear that he wasn't going to find this opportunity in other places, despite the fact that Milwaukee could have absolutely used him. They have been struggling looking for a Brook Lopez replacement for so much of the season. And they had DeMarcus Cousins on their roster, and he was playing pretty well over there, and they were a pretty good team when he was on the floor and they just decided to go a different direction. So it's nice to see Cousins find a niche here. He's going to be the backup when Jokic comes back, obviously. There's there's not going to be any overlap between those two unless there's a very unique situation. But I do think that what he gives Denver has been so valuable because they don't have to go away from the Jokic style of basketball, relying on a big man with playmaking skills that mostly operates on the inside but can shoot it on the outside. Boogie has given them that. His playmaking has been extremely helpful. He had a a play last night where he was rolling to the rim off of a, I think it was a Will Barton pick and roll, received the ball in the pick and roll, found Monte Morris on the weak side on the move. A difficult pass for a center to make, especially one of his size. He found him perfectly in the shooting pocket. Monte Morris cans it. It just looked a lot like what Jokic offense looks like. And that's what you're hoping for. You're hoping for somebody who can reprise that. And then in the playoffs, if Nikola Jokic finds himself in foul trouble, the Nuggets have another good option that they can go to and that you can feel pretty good about. That there are going to be some situations defensively that might be bad, but the offense is going to be okay. At least we hope so. So really awesome stuff. Really happy for Cousins. Let's move to Will Barton now. Barton has been struggling over the course of these past few games, staring the record in the face for the most three-pointers in franchise history. He's He knows it. Like He, he said post-game last night, they, he knew that he was slumping. It was pretty awful for him. He, he felt it. But for him to get a mid-range shot to drop, in the third quarter, he was able to kind of refocus himself, take the pressure off a little bit. And then when he finally saw the first three-pointer drop, that made things better. And finally, like immediately after that, hit a back-to-back three. So it just was more of a pressure thing than anything else. And so it's just nice to see him have this moment, to be able to celebrate this, to 
really be able to cherish what Barton has been doing for the franchise ever since he got here. He he was traded to the Nuggets back in 2014-15, which is seven years ago. And he spent the better part of or the first half of his career, frankly, was on not great teams. 2014-15, when he got to Denver, he was the only bright spot on the team. 2015-16, it was a nice bench piece, really showcased his versatility. Played with Gallinari, played with Wilson Chandler, guys like that. And then found some chemistry with Jokic at various points. 2016-17, he became the sixth man and, and was a very large focal point of what the Nuggets were doing. 2017-18, still the sixth man. But then when Gary Harris got hurt throughout parts of that season, especially towards the end, he became the starter. And he was averaging like 18-4-4 or something like that on really good efficiency towards the end of the season and and showcase that he had starting potential for this team. 2018-19, obviously, he gets hurt at the beginning of the year. That year is kind of marred by injury. 2019-20, he comes back and helps carry Denver through various points where they don't have their entire supporting cast. And it's just Jokic, it's Barton, it's Michael Porter, basically a rookie Michael Porter. And they find a way to navigate through a, a tough middle of the year. And obviously, Barton gets hurt heading into the bubble and can't really help them there. But then last year, has one of his best seasons, continues to play really well, finds his role as kind of the fourth or fifth option within Denver's big three, big four kind of lineup style. Then he gets hurt right before the playoffs, and it, it sucks. He, he hasn't had his time. He hasn't had his moment to shine with the Nuggets, and it's been tough. Like For somebody that has given his entire career, basically, to this franchise, he hasn't been able to be supported and cherished and celebrated the way that most long-term players would be. How many players would be top 10 in franchise history in games played and not be celebrated by their own franchise the way the Will Barton has really been celebrated. It's tough. I think Nuggets fans have been a little bit fickle on this one. It's time to really celebrate the dude. Give him his flowers. He had a really nice moment where Michael Malone called timeout after last or after he broke the record and was able to support and celebrate what he did as a massive accomplishment. Because the Nuggets have been around for 50 years. And Will Barton is the one who holds the franchise record for threes. That should tell you something about the quality of player he is, but also the longevity and how much impact in total, in aggregate, he has had on this franchise. Been glad to see it. Really quick on the other three starters before we hit a break here. Aaron Gordon was mostly a fringe option last night. Uh, Five of nine from the field, two of four from the line. Only took one three. But he did get fouled on one of those threes and, and on another three, which didn't count. And that was good to see. He's finding a rhythm as kind of the secondary attacker at times where he's he can attack with the ball. And he's comfortable pulling up from the mid-range, not necessarily always from three. But it was good that he didn't hyper-focus on the three-pointer tonight, last night. Cut. 12 points, three rebounds, three assists, zero turnovers was a very understated game, I think, from Aaron Gordon. But he also did a really good job 
against Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green when he was on those guys. So you like to see that. You like to see him finding ways to impact the game, even when other guys are kind of handling the scoring load. It was nice to see all of the starters in double figures. Despite the fact that Cousins himself had 30, Jeff Green had 14, Aaron Gordon had 12, Will Barton had 11, Monte Morris had 10. It kind of looked like a, a pretty standard Jokic game where Jokic has the the high mark, the high water mark for points in a game. And then everybody else is kind of equal. Like it, it's it's a equal distribution for a lot of those points. And so that's fine. That's a perfectly reasonable way to win basketball games when you have somebody that is often rolling that way. And so Aaron Gordon kind of found his way, didn't necessarily have to impact it a ton, but found other ways to impact it within the flow. And everybody was basically a plus 10 in the starting lineup. So you'll have to see that. Jeff Green, as I mentioned, uh, 14 points. He was seven of seven from the free throw line, which I think a lot of what last night's game was about was kind of brute forcing a win over a bad team. And so DeMarcus Cousins, really good example of that, obviously. They don't have anybody to deal with him. He gets to the front of the paint, like the front of the restricted area and dominates for most of the game. All of the uh, resources for the Rockets have to then go to try to stop that. And if they don't, then he's going to put up 30. If they do, then other guys are going to have their own way. And so it was nice to see Jeff Green, seven of seven from the free throw line, really take advantage of that, where he can get to the paint and he can draw fouls and help get Denver overall to be 25 of 31 from the free throw line. That's one of the high water marks for the Nuggets team this season. And they were able to do it without Jokic. So it was a good strategy against a bad Houston Rockets team that can't necessarily help themselves, that doesn't have the athletes, that doesn't have the size and the bodies to be able to match up with Denver. So to see Jeff Green be aggressive like that, that sets a really good example. Finally, Monte Morris, understated game from Monte Morris, but a good game. He used Bookie in many of the same ways that he uses Joker, where he runs off of different screens, he gets some flare screens, use that for a final bucket in the fourth quarter, and then also was playing on and off the ball a lot of the time where sometimes Barton would be the guy with the ball, sometimes Gordon would be the guy. A lot of times DeMarcus is the the main decision maker at times with that starting unit. But Monte Morris still found a way, 10 points, six rebounds, four assists, one steal, zero turnovers, four of eight from the field, two of two from three. He had been struggling from three-point range for the last couple of games, so to see him go two of two, understated, but he made his shots. That's all you want to see. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench unit and what they were able to do. But first, Hoops fans, as you know, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA, it's just too good to pass up. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with new same-game parlays where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. It is that simple. They're also safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. 
So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you do. Bet just $1 on any NBA team. Get 150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code MHS. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling prompt call 1-800-522-4700. And we're back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic. Okay, let's get into the bench unit and what they were able to do last night against the Houston Rockets. And for the most part, it was pretty good. The, the starting unit was very good. Just let me let me run through the plus minuses here real quick so everybody can get that better picture. Monte Morris plus 10, Will Barton plus 11, Aaron Gordon plus 8, Jeff Green plus 9, DeMarcus Cousins plus 11. That's the starting unit. They're all around plus 10. Faku Campazo on the bench, 19 minutes plus 7, Bones Highland plus 6, Bryn Forbes plus 4, Davon Reed plus 6, Jamichael Green plus 4. So they're all around kind of in the plus 5 region. And that's how you get the 15-point win. You had the starters and their extended minutes go plus 10. The bench goes plus 5. They were basically equivalently good. And it was nice to see. Like The Rockets are a bad team, and I don't want to make any excuses for them. Or I don't, I don't want to make any excuses for the Nuggets here is what I mean. But they were also without Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. You're a little bit depressed for talent at that point. And so the Nuggets being able to step up and still have good, competent units, I think is a really good sign that the team is in a pretty good place. Able to bounce back after the OKC loss in a, in a pretty solid way. And despite the fact that the bench didn't have DeMarcus Cousins, they were still able to make things work. And it wasn't necessarily with efficient shooting, because let's be honest, it, it wasn't efficient. But it was with pretty solid defense and then capitalizing on the Houston Rockets' mistakes and making sure that they were able to get some runouts and get some easy baskets and, and maybe some second-chance points here or there or whatnot. So it was nice to see. Let's start with Jermichael Green, who played the most minutes of any of them, any of the, the bench guys. DeMarcus Cousins, was play, he played 24 minutes. Jermichael Green played the other 24 minutes at center. And it was pretty much a tale of not like it was a multi-layered game from Jamichael where he was a pretty strong interior finisher on this one. He benefited and reaped the benefits from a lot of what the Nuggets guards were able to do, where Bones Highland is taking it off the off the glass and then Jamichael Green is there for putbacks. Faku Campazo is finding guys for open shots, trying to navigate the lane. Jamichael Green was there for a couple dunks. Bryn Forbes running off of screens, his outside shooting and his presence able to free up Jamichael Green for the inside. And so it was nice to see Jamichael Green do a lot of center things. Uh, he had 14 points, 6 of 14 from the field. I'll get to that in a little bit. Nine rebounds, three offensive rebounds in just 24 minutes. 
two assists, two steals, one block, only one turnover, and had five fouls. So the fouls are, are what they are. And and he kind of struggled at times com- like um he he's definitely struggled at times with Alperun Shangun, who is a very good Houston Rockets rookie center. Uh Shangun gave him the business at times, and it wasn't great for the first half, but it kind of evened out in the second half, and Shangun wasn't as impactful then. And Jamichael Green was just relentless for much of the game, and it's why he had a positive plus minus, and Shangun was minus 14, which was the lowest on the Rockets, actually. So that's one of the things where you look at those individual matchups, and sometimes they can define your takes on the night. But now that I'm looking at it, kind of with a, a breath of fresh air the next day, you start to look at it and think, okay, this wasn't the worst thing in the world. Jermichael Green actually matched him and played pretty well. And his defense overall was pretty good where he's switching out on, onto some guys. He's rotating over. He's getting his hands in passing lanes, etc. And he's also just rebounding really well. So that was nice to see. Bones Highland. A strong game from him, I thought, despite the fact that he went two of seven from the field. He has this knack for finding the right play at the right time when he's at home and when he's playing bad teams. Most of the time when Bones is playing bad teams, he takes advantage of the opportunity and and a lot of it is from the scoring perspective and he did score. He had 11 points, two of seven from the field, two of five from three. But he got to the line five times. And his ability to get to the line, uh, some of that was on technical fouls. Some of, one of that was on a clear path foul where he was able to poke the ball free on a lazy Eric Gordon pass. And then Gordon fouled him kind of from the side, but Bones was clearly getting past him. And so they actually called a clear path foul on that. I didn't think that they probably should have. But Bones was then able to navigate the lane in a variety of different ways. He was able to navigate the perimeter in a variety of different ways. And he finishes with 11 points, but also five assists, two rebounds, and three steals. Only two turnovers. And he was playing the shooting guard position for most of the night, if I'm if I'm looking at this correctly. Yeah, he, he spent about five total minutes out of his 20 as the point guard and kind of overlapping with the first unit. But then Faku was kind of the point guard for most of the night when he was out there. And so he kind of had to adapt his game a little bit, space the floor a little bit more, be willing to shoot the outside shots. Sometimes those didn't go down. But for the most part, I thought he was pretty helpful. And I also thought he did a pretty good job defensively where you see Josh Christopher on the other side, who was his primary assignment, two points, one of six from the field. Garrison Matthews, who had a pretty bad night shooting, three points, one of five from the field, 0 of four from three. Those are kind of the matchups that you're looking for in that case. And you're you're trying to see, okay, who who is doing well in these situations? Who is not doing well? The Rockets guys did not do well when guarded by Bones Highland. And you see the three steals. You see kind of the defensive impact there on the numbers. And I thought it was just a pretty good game overall. Faku Kampazo also set up Bones for both of those threes. So let's talk about Faku, who only took one shot last night. Definitely wasn't a forward shooting kind of night for him. He also missed two free throws, which is pretty rare. 
but he had uh, four assists. He had two rebounds. And he got it to Eric Gordon on several occasions last night. Eric Gordon had five turnovers. They weren't always attributed to Faku, actually, and, and Faku had zero steals. So it wasn't like it was um, just Faku. But he definitely exacerbated what was a tough Eric Gordon night from a playmaking standpoint. Gordon shot the ball pretty well. A lot of those when Faku wasn't out there. But Faku, when he had, like, I, I just remember these moments vividly where Faku was just in his grill on several occasions and he was picking him up 94 feet. Uh, Gordon actually pushed him to the ground at one point when Faku tried to flop a foul. And so he's just being annoying. And I said this on Twitter last night that if the Rockets don't see these games that Faku has played against the Houston Rockets, then they're just not watching their own games. And I would be I would be surprised if they didn't try to go get Faku at some point because they have such a young backcourt. And if they're looking to be better, if they're looking to find opportunities to improve their team, then adding a veteran like him makes a lot of sense because he's not going to play as often as Kevin Porter Jr. or Jalen Green or anybody like that. And he's going to be relatively cheap for them. But I do think that there is a place for Faku in the NBA, and it's it's for a team like Houston or for a team like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's 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 a lot of teams that I, I could think of that most of them are in the rebuilding category behind a young point guard, kind of to show him the ropes and, and uh, give him some good habits and whatnot. But I do think that there is a place for Faku and what he's been able to do. And it's, it's also just nice to see him get back into the lineup and provide a positive impact. And they're finding different ways to do it. This was a night where you probably could do it against the Houston Rockets because they already struggle with him. But I do think it's good overall to see the entire team be successful, even in minutes where you've got the Faku at point guard, Jamichael Green at center kind of lineup where Denver struggled with that configuration for a lot of the season. So it's nice to see them have some positive minutes. Is it is just the Houston Rockets, and it's, I don't want to like uh, just assume that this is a thing to come for the rest of the year. But they got away with it tonight, and that's all that really last last night. Good lord, and that's all that really matters. Davon Reed got the nod in the starting and in the reserve unit as well. He played backup power forward for much of the night, and. His flexibility to be able to do that, I think, is really valuable because he's not somebody who's going to – he's not going to rock the boat in any way. He took six shots, which is more than Faku, which is more than like some of the guys on the team. But for the most part, he is the fourth option in that case, and he's definitely like the fifth option from a decision-making standpoint. He's mostly going to be the residual – um, complimentary player. And so his ability to do that at the forward position while being able to match up with uh, KJ Martin and Deshaun Nix and sometimes switch on to Shangun at times or maybe defend Christian Wood or Deshaun Tate. Like there wasn't a great matchup for, for Davon out there, but his ability to switch on to some of their guards like a Kevin Porter Jr., like a Jalen Green and Eric Gordon, guys like that, that is extremely helpful. So it's nice to have that guy in your back pocket where Deshaun Reed – or not Deshaun, Davon Reed, um, thinking of Deshaun Nix on the Rockets. Um, Davon Reed hadn't played 
rotation minutes in a long while. And he comes in and immediately cans two out of four threes and is a plus six, has a steal, uh, just kind of does what he does. And you can just plug him in and he'll be helpful. That's a that's a player that I think Denver's going to want on their roster next season, for sure. And finally, Bryn Forbes. Uh, not his best shooting game, but like I said, there, there's a couple of plays where he was able to really leverage that shooting ability in a positive way. Uh, he's not going to do much else, and we've talked about this before. He had the zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks. Did have one turnover. I don't remember what it was on, but uh, he curled around screens on multiple instances, and uh, his ability to run the baseline actually freed up Jamichael Green for an open dunk when two guys jumped out onto Bryn. And then you had one where he's running around the baseline and then curls around to the top and to the elbow, and DeMarcus Cousins is staying right there, and he levels Garrison Matthews, uh, who tries to run through that screen and then unsuccessfully so, and then falls to the floor. And it was a bone-crushing screen. And Bryn Forbes' ability to run guys around like that and then free himself up on those screens and be competent enough to make that shot that's a really big deal that the Nuggets have had um, over the course of the past couple months with Bryn. So really nice to see. Glad to see he's fitting in and, and glad to see they've been able to leverage that into some easy offense. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to get into uh, more of a wholesome slash emotional slash whatever it needs to be segment in the third segment. We'll be right back. back pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn your final segment thank you so much for tuning in um this isn't going to be necessarily like the most important segment so i'm not going to like i'm not going to ask everybody to stay tuned in or whatnot so if you've got other things to do i totally get it but um kicking it off the the nuggets their magic number right now to make a top six seed is 17 with 19 games to go uh the Wolves, the maximum wins that they can get is 53. So the Nuggets at 37 and 26, they need to get up to 54 wins. That's how you calculate that. Uh, so that means that Denver needs 17 between their wins and Wolves' losses. Okay. So I wanted to do this segment, and I didn't really know how to approach this. I kind of wrote this last night and then decided to scrap it and didn't podcast, but Basketball is supposed to be fun, and it's a sport. Everybody is supposed to be enjoying themselves, and that's kind of lost at various points, and especially at different difficult times throughout the year and when you've got big things going on out in the world. Russia and Ukraine are currently at war. We've been through a pandemic over the course of the last two-plus years, and it's – God, is it really two-plus? Man – it's March 5th. March 11th was when the NBA shut down, March 11th, 2020. And so we're, we're coming up on two years. And I know that there are a lot of people that are still um, they're coming out of that. And, and 
people are less so thinking about it. But the coronavirus really shaped a lot of people on how they interact with other people over the course of these last two years and whether they do interact or don't interact. And still got Zoom, still got all these other things, all these other stipulations. Media aren't allowed in the locker rooms and probably won't be for a significant period of time. Uh, We're still doing Zoom pressers. Uh, That's always being factored in and that probably will never go away. So these last few years covering the team, it's been tough for me. And I, I don't want to like, this isn't a pity party or anything like that, but imagine like you had Kobe Bryant's death at the beginning of 2020, which was difficult for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. And then you have the pandemic. And then for the Nuggets specifically, with as much as they've oscillated for so much of their time, it's been entertaining to cover, but it's also been a a very exhausting experience in a lot of different ways with the way that they've kind of risen and fallen at various points. And I know Nuggets fans can feel the same way where you had that emotional lift of seeing Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic really rise and join together in the bubble. And then wanting to build off of that. And then you see Aaron Gordon get traded to the team. And you think, man, this team really has just so much potential together. And then the injury happens to Jamal. And Denver flames out in the playoffs in the way that they did. And it was a really difficult moment for a lot of people. And then this year, Michael Porter goes down in what was a really difficult injury to really parse at the time. And as a media member, I'm hearing things in the background that are really, really bad about what that looks like. And we're forced to speculate, man, this could be a really, really game-changing moment for the Nuggets organization. It turns out it wasn't, at least not yet. And it turns out maybe that was all much ado about nothing. But from game nine against the Houston Rockets, to Game 63 against the Houston Rockets, the Nuggets have been mostly in purgatory for that amount of time. Uh, I I listened to the Zach Lowe and and Adam Morris podcast, which you absolutely should, uh, that came out last Thursday, the Lowe Post, uh, about them being in suspended animation. And I thought that that was a really good way to put it, because the Nuggets have been kind of spinning their wheels trying to figure out new things, trying to learn about themselves while winning and and just surviving for most of the year. And it's been an exhausting endeavor to watch in a lot of different ways. And as somebody who covers the team from a statistical perspective and and an analytical rotation building, uh, numbers crunching perspective, a lot of ways, for me, it's been it's been in such a way where I look at all these numbers and I look at all these and try to find meaning, try to prescribe meaning to a lot of different things. And it's unhealthy in a lot of different ways. Sometimes you lose your soul along the way when going through that process. And I think that for me personally, I kind of lost my basketball soul over the course of this season. Lost a lot of enjoyment for what this Nuggets team is supposed to be about. And it kind of came to a head over this last week, and I've been in a pretty rough place mentally, and so I don't want to use this as my therapy session, which which will probably happen at some point, but I just wanted to be able to communicate that to to people, and 
really help people understand my mental perspective on how this year has gone and that it's been tough to be in suspended animation for so long because you start to see now, you start to see the light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, where Michael Porter Jr. may be back pretty soon. Jamal Murray may be back pretty soon. You can just taste it. You can just sense that the Nuggets are close to something, but they're not quite there. And they've still got to find different ways to stay above the plane. And they're not quite there. But you can can taste the championship aspirations of this team. They keep saying it. They keep saying, hey, there's, there's no reason why we can't do this. And you think about the players that they lost and what they've been able to provide throughout their tenures with Denver. Jamal Murray once made 50, he's once scored 50 points without making a single free throw, without attempting a single free throw. Michael Porter Jr. is one of the best shooters alive. And both of those guys might come back to the lineup at various points. That's a really exciting thing. But for much of the season up until that point, and it's kind of broken me to this point, I haven't been able to enjoy it for whatever reason. I haven't been able to connect with it, probably because I've been a little bit disconnected. And so my goal, my pledge over the course of these last 18 plus regular season games and then into the playoffs is I'm going to find ways to enjoy this last stretch. Whether they succeed or not, whether they win the title or not, it's not about that anymore. Not for me. It's about celebrating the players that they do have. It's about celebrating the basketball journeys that so many of these players have been on and how they've been able to find their way to the Nuggets at such a time where things have been so difficult, but being able to celebrate that makes things just a little bit easier. I'm talking Nikola Jokic as a second rounder, winning MVP, coming from nowhere to be able to do this is just so impressive. I'm talking Faku Campazo, who found success at the NBA level and continues to find his version of success at the NBA level by being a helpful rotation player at this point and not necessarily denigrating him for the weaknesses, not necessarily looking to nitpick all the time. I'm talking about Will Barton, who is continuing to find ways to succeed, breaking records through his hard work and his dedication to his craft and not nitpick, not nitpicking all the time about the defense, not nitpicking all the time about the shot selection or anything like that. I'm talking about DeMarcus Cousins, who's found his way back through the injuries, through the blackballing, which basically has happened. Like Most people have this image of DeMarcus Cousins in their heads, and DeMarcus said it best himself. When you get to know him, he's actually a pretty good guy. You just have to be willing to try. And so, Nuggets fans, I'm willing to try. I think DeMarcus deserves that. I'm talking Michael Porter Jr., who's fought his way back through several back surgeries to become the player that he is, and maybe on the precipice of a return to the Nuggets at a time where they need his impact most. You need the shooting. You need the versatility. You need somebody who can say F you to the other team. 
and hit a shot that he has no business hitting. Because that's who Michael Porter is. All of these are about perseverance, willpower. But more than anything, it's about love for the game. It's about love for basketball and why this sport is so good. Why this team and this franchise has been such a positive and not necessarily hyper-focusing on the negative all the time. And I've missed out on that. Willing to admit it, wanting to own up to it. And I need to reevaluate the way I cover this team. Because for the longest time, it hasn't been about love. It's been about the process. It's been about... I don't know. Still trying to navigate it, still trying to figure it out. But this is my pledge. I am going to be positive. I am going to enjoy it. I am going to find ways to enjoy basketball. Rather than nitpicking, rather than demeaning, rather than trying to be passive aggressive or sarcastic about anything. I hope Nuggets fans, the ones that have kind of followed my lead on this, hope you guys can do the same because it's not healthy. Hasn't been healthy for me. And I want to want to be better. I want to be better about covering this team because they deserve it. They've had to fight through this more than anybody. And you want to see them be successful, but even if they aren't, it's not the end of the world. It's just a game. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support. I should be back on Monday. Uh, Denver's got a game on Sunday, and I will be at that one. I'm going to enjoy myself, going to enjoy what the Nuggets are doing, and they're going to play against the New Orleans Pelicans, and it's going to be a tough one. And expecting Denver to win that one, probably not a good idea. But it should be fun. We will see what the Nuggets are able to do. I am just as curious as everybody else is to see how they respond to that. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. Talk to you guys next week.